are the Chiefs in trouble? Does the defense actually make the Chiefs borderline unbettable? Does anyone want to take the other side of a Cowboys or Cardinals bet at this point? How do you handicap the Raiders in light of the Gruden rug? We'll discuss this and more on today's show. So let's hit the opening bell, recap week five and preview week six. Welcome, Kings, to this edition of the Not Your Daddy's Sports Betting Podcast. We have Brett and Zach here with you to recap week five quickly because we want to get right into week six. So in the past weeks, we've gone a little further in a deep dive. But now that we kind of have seen everything more or less the first five weeks, we want to kind of jump ahead into week six as quickly as we can. But first, let's touch on performance. Uh, This past week, the playbook that we sent out Sunday and on the email newsletter, which you can uh, subscribe to by going to the website. Um, I would give myself about a C plus B minus for performance of the Sunday playbook. And part of the reason why is when O for five ATS and spread uh, in total, right? So how did we come out into in the green basically is a live betting. One of the better plays was Carolina Philadelphia recommended that this game would play out almost exactly like the Carolina Jets game, very first game of the season. But Philadelphia would get further along the road on that comeback. So you had an opportunity to play both sides at very good prices um, and potentially cash um, a very nice Eagles side of that play. Um, And I would say that the dud of the week on that was really the totals the three totals I had were on complete opposite sides. Um, got kind of lost in the in the noise there. Um, yeah, so Sunday playbook overall, 28, 25, and 9. Uh, Brett, do you want to tell us what we did with our contest picks? Yeah, so from a contest perspective, uh, the consensus went 3 and 2. Uh, so the circuit consensus now sits at 15 and 10 on the season. Uh, as you mentioned, Zach, you know, we definitely struggled this season, this week. Um, and, you know, kind of looking back, doing this post hoc attribution analysis, one of the things that, you know, came to light, which was surprising and which it shouldn't have been, uh, is we spread exposure across far too many games. So, in fact, When I look at it, so across our contest selections, we picked 12 sides. We had exposure to the Saints, Texans, Steelers, Chiefs, Browns, Vikings, Raiders, Jets, Giants, Niners, Eagles, Bengals. I mean, it's pretty much every game, if not every game. And you cannot do that if you want to hit 60 70 percent in a season which you know you really have to do in these contests in order to catch you want to be honest with yourself and to and, and understand that you know spreading exposure across multiple games is not diversification okay these are binary uncorrelated outcomes 
So when you actually allocate more exposure across more games, you're actually just increasing your overall risk. So, you know, diversification would be, you know, making bets within the same game that, uh, you know, are correlated to different outcomes, I, ideally with, you know, this opportunity for, uh, you know, this this middle or, you know, to thread the needle and get this middle opportunity uh, or to angle in, you know, uh, uh, leveraging in-game betting, some of the things you talk about in your playbook, seeking, you know, the advantages of mispriced risks edging net exposure uh, in a game that maybe isn't going according to plan. And so I think, you know, just moving forward, especially for us, you know, we need to be more circumspect, more self-aware of our net exposure kind of moving forward, you know, and, and again, one of the reasons we like talking out loud about this is because we know there's other betters out there who kind of, who have, and maybe continue to kind of struggle with these types of things from time to time too. And, you know, we hope that, you know, kind of, as we talk about it, this is something that, you know, can register with you and say, you know what, that's something I need to improve as well. Uh, uh, you know, and these are the types of ways that maybe I can do that. Um, so we're sitting at 12 and 13 now from a contest perspective. So not pretty, uh, but it's, it's just week five, plenty of time to go, time to get hot. And uh, so let, let's jump in to uh, recapping. And actually, uh, one last thing, just one minute on my side, one minute on your side. Brief recap of prediction game, Lee Sharp's prediction game. Uh, I think you, both you and I continue to sit in that top, in the top 150 place, again, out of the 800 that's in the game. Uh, last week, again, I think the main kind of takeaways here and and not just from a betting perspective, but also from this prediction game perspective, is the favorites just continue to just threat. And so if you're leaning into favorites week in, week out, week in, week out, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, books got crushed this weekend. Yeah, one of their worst weeks, not just this season, yeah. but in multiple seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, when I look at the prediction game leaderboard, and I see those again. I'm. I was telling you, I'm. I'm surprised that we are as high as we are. Kind of given our more contrarian takes, more you know, reduced risk. You know, not going 85, 90, 100 percent conviction in particular games, which many people in this game are doing, and they're not getting penalized for doing it. Yeah, because the favorites keep winning. But again, the way this game works is if you're 100% confident on a favorite winning or anybody winning, you make 25 points. If you lose, you lose 75. But the asymmetric risk there, you know, three to one. And so you don't want to over lever yourself too high to a favorite over and over and over again. Now, a lot of people have done that through five weeks and again, they haven't been exposed, but they will. Uh, and so again, we're, we're sitting in the top 150. Um, again, I underperformed the market because I didn't pick every single favorite, um, but still was, was right there. Pretty, pretty close. How about you? Yep. Same with me. I, I was plus 72, but the market was plus 115 and 
Yeah, the market keeps performing well when the favorites keep winning, um, even when they shouldn't, like Baltimore, like the Patriots, like Minnesota. But as it goes, though, I think we can uh, jump into real quick, do kind of like brief summation game by game of week five because we want to get into week six now that the week's getting a little later. Um, so Rams, Seahawks kicking off. Obviously, the big news, Russell Wilson is now out. Um, one thing I would say, kind of a look ahead into the Steelers game, is I think the market thinks Geno Smith sucks, and I think he's going to surprise, maybe not this next game, maybe, maybe not, um, but I think he might surprise. I think he's seasoned vet now. He's and he can use his legs. He didn't look too bad when he came in um, for Russ. You know, he's still got Metcalf and Lockett. He's got weapons. Um, so I wouldn't sleep on the Seattle team, especially as a cover dog through this Russell Wilson is out era. Um, so just wanted to kind of touch on that. But, you know, obviously this game got away from Seattle. Yeah. I don't think even if Russ played, they were going to win this once the Rams got going. Seattle's defense is just not very good. Their secondary is pretty bad. They released Trey Flowers. Um, can't really stop the run either. Can't really, definitely can't stop the pass. So, not a good defense. Yeah, I think you know, and um, you know, they they were playing. I guess not necessarily well the first half. The Rams were just not playing well the first half. Uh, and yeah, Geno Smith is going to be a volatile new variable at play what i would say is you know he and russell wilson played approximately the same amount of plays geno smith 21 russell wilson 24 and geno smith doubled russell wilson's epa uh so you could say that you know he outperformed russell wilson um again in this one game and in a half versus a half and i think you know i question geno smith's decision-making abilities. I think that's one of the main reasons why he hasn't had a successful career in the NFL. Uh, and that's going to be the ultimate downside, but he's still got, you know, a cannon of an arm. Uh, and, you know, it, it, we saw in this game that he's going to take risks. And so that's going to be, it's going to be this boom bust mentality, which makes it really hard to bet on or bet against. Yeah. Um, and for the Rams, Rams are kind of coasting along as I would expect. Pretty good team overall. I think they're one of the top pressure teams in the league right now too, so just something to monitor. Um, Jets-Falcons, that game went obviously to London. Jets were getting wrecked for most of the game, started to make a little comeback yep. late. Um, this was a game I was on Atlanta to start, and I honestly, I mean, I... I and the injuries probably took you off like most... I, and Most everyone else. What sucks is it took me off. And because I am I try to remain fluid through the week because I want to accept new information, sometimes it's, it's a blessing and sometimes it's a curse. This actually flipped me onto the Jets, which in hindsight was just so stupid. Like I had a good take on the, the previous pod last week of, well, can you really, can you trust the Jets going overseas with the young quarterback team? Like it's just, it's such new territory. Like, Zach Wilson has never been out of the country, probably. Like, and if he has, you know, I'm making shit up. I don't know. But, you know, are they going to be the kind of veteran savvy team like the Falcons? Or are they going to be a little, you know, 
die and it's new and it's exciting and and that's kind of me what happened so yeah nothing to really take away from that like it's kind of what i expected if calvin ridley had played um but hey matt ryan took care of business you know gave it to the tight ends a lot and i mean yeah not much to take away from that i don't think but yeah, I mean, the absence of uh, Ridley and Gage, you know, started to finally open up things for Kyle. And, you know, a player that, you know, obviously they drafted very high and haven't really been leveraging to the extent that, you know, many uh, Kyle Pitts uh, fantasy owners certainly uh, wish that they would be. Um, and Falcons fans, and I think just general betters as well, were, were hoping that the team would exploit his talents more so than they have been. Uh, and, you know, the, the gap that opened up in the passing game allowed him to step up, force them to start leveraging him more so than they were. And it worked out tremendously. Uh, so... Uh, again, this was the Jets. But again, the Jets, you know, we're high on the Jets' defense. It's, it's the Jets' offense is their primary Achilles heel. So, um, you know, going over into London, scoring 27 points on the Jets' defense, um, you know, nothing to to write home about, but, you know, nothing to scoff at. Uh, uh, next up, Philadelphia Panthers. Um, I rewatched this one closely. And the Panthers' defense, I mean, both defenses played really well, especially getting pressure on the QBs. The Panthers' defense was really outstanding for three and a half quarters. Really only had one bad drive, uh, but they basically gifted, um, or sorry, Panthers' offense gifted 10 points to the Eagles, one of which was a, a punt block. Another one was a Darnold uh, interception. And it's just like, man, I, this is the game that I think I've seen through my Darnold bullish case to start this season because the Basically, the, the assumption, the bet was Darnold was going to be the beneficiary of a better offense, better coaching staff, better organization. And, and he has been thus far. But I think we're starting to see the regression back to reality where he's not the worst quarterback ever, Jets, blah, blah, blah. But he is not good. And his three, mm. his three picks really demonstrated just how... I don't want to say juvenile his quarterbacking is and you've seen it through the Panthers offense is like they're really coddling him they, they're scared to unleash him because they're scared of the ramifications of what that might entail and I think that you know some of those picks in this game kind of demonstrate their fear um one of which and, and I'll finish with this is you know Darius Slay had an open stance as he's backpedaling uh DJ Moore going past him staring at Sam Darnold's eyes, Sam Darnold staring down DJ Moore, and he throws it to him anyway down the sideline. Darius Slay picks it off. That's not even the end of the story. DJ Moore is laid out by the safety immediately if that ball would have been hitting DJ Moore's hands. So not only did Sam not notice that Darius Slay, the best cornerback on the Eagles, had a wide open stance staring straight at him, as he's gunning it down the sideline to DJ Moore. He didn't notice that the safety was coming over and was going to take off DJ Moore's head when he threw it. So what the hell is he thinking? Ah, and there's the rub. He's not thinking. And then, and that's what I saw with Sam Darnold again. And it's kind of where we have been talking about this, like, 
man, Panthers looked good in the first half. In the second half, they kind of sucked uh, offensively is because once the teams adjust the game script, the, the game plan that the Panthers are doing on offense, well, now, now they can pivot into making Darnold's life a little more difficult, and he doesn't know how to adjust. Because he doesn't know how to, he, I don't, he's got a little bit of a Goffian complex, in my opinion. Maybe that's why he wasn't good with the Jets. Is Brady has made him a little better, stronger. He might have a good season compared to the Jets past. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm think I'm leaving the Sam Darnold bandwagon. And I may never come back. And it doesn't mean that you can't bet him. It doesn't mean that he can't play well in spots. But just the macro theme on Sam Darnold is... He still doesn't quite have it. I'm not sure he'll ever get it. Uh, I'm not abandoning the Sam. First of all, I don't think there is a Sam Darnold bandwagon. First of all, <laughs> oh hey, Ron, Ron's uh, got the. Uh, I think the band the bandwagon is that Sam Darnold sucks. So you're actually yes. joining the bandwagon. I think I might have um, to. He's looked. It was really bad. Again, this was a bad game. Okay. That's easily discernible. Uh, and I would say, you know, he's, you know, had a, a generally downward sloping uh, trajectory of performance over the course of the season. Uh, but I'm still willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because of this, a lot of this comes down to decision making. And there is this gambler's mentality in this game that it seemed like he felt comfortable uh, pursuing, which, you know, obviously was not appropriate given the way the overall game was materializing because the defense was playing great. Eagles couldn't do anything offensively. And so there was no reason to flirt with disaster and put the Eagles in a attractive position to superficially get back in this game and that's exactly kind of what happened uh so i definitely want to see this be a uh learning experience for sam moving forward uh again i don't know that he's going to but what i i'm open to him still doing that so i'm i'm still in the tbd camp I mean, again we were never we were more bullish than the market on Sam, which means is Sam going to be the 32nd ranked quarterback in the league? 30 beyond the 32nd, because many people thought he shouldn't even be a starter in the league. We we're saying that he should. We're saying he's better than that. We're saying that if he could literally be average, that this Panthers team could go to the playoffs. And so far, again, like has he played below average? This was his worst game of the season. Um, but I, I, I can see him getting better again. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Jalen Hurts didn't play well. No, uh, the Eagles did not play well. Uh, Jalen Hurts had negative EPA for this game as well. Negative CPOE still six yards ADOT. Uh, again, the Eagles were gifted this game by a gambling reckless Panthers in, in this yeah. game. And, and I think, you know, Matt Rule, this is going to be a big kind of, I think this is going to be a a uh, catalyst for change this game. 
in how they approach second halves. Now, betting against the Panthers in the second half has been a very profitable strategy, so we'll see if that continues. I think if you start to see improvement in second half game plans, that is a very bullish sign. If not, then it's a very bearish sign, and the Panthers probably aren't going to make the playoffs. Yeah, good point. Um, and yeah, Eagles hung around, took advantage when they had the opportunities, and, you know, pulled it out in the end. Yeah, and I'll say with the Eagles defense, Eagles defense still cont continues to play, you know, um, better than I think the market you know, thinks. Wellish, yeah. Well, and, and yeah. remember, I mean, they they, right. they got destroyed by the Chiefs. I mean, that's, you got to kind of discount that. I mean, that's sometimes you just can't match up, and they had some injuries. So, yeah, um, that one's, that's one you can definitely overlook. So Green Bay at Cincinnati. Um, obviously, I think we all know about the missed 35 field goals. Um, I mean, this one was a... And by the way, 13 extra points missed this week. The most ever in history. 13 extra points. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, and that's just you know, just a microcosm of just the broader kind of misses of field goals over the course of this week and over the course of the season, over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, and I think this is one of the reasons why, too, it changed, you know, when we're kind of uh, coming together, you know, you, me, Josiah, you know, Corey, and, and you know, kind of brainstorming on how we want to angle into the week. One of the things that, you know, I brought up a couple times is, you know, some of these traditional numbers don't always have the same sort of significance. And maybe some of these historically insignificant numbers, oh, well, what's the difference between four and five? What's the difference between four and a half and five and a half? No, no, no. But with these missed field goals, these scores are now, we had two games of 25 to 22. Awkward. This week. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, so the ultimate delta still turned out to be, you know, a traditional kind of three, but you're having these weird wonky scores now that can create weird wonky deltas, which means that you know, kind of every point can matter. And maybe the distinction between, you know, a significant number and a historically insignificant number is the, the delta between those is more meaningful in today's NFL than it was in the past. What also I think even increases that even more is teams uh, higher propensity to just go for two, even when, you know, again, first score of the game, going to go for two, let's do it. You know, that can be like unpredictable. And again, it can create more unpredictable scores, more unpredictable deltas. Uh, so just something you want to make sure you kind of continue to take into consideration when you're looking at spreads. I love it. And speaking of spreading stupidity, Zach Taylor is back at it again. Two times, two times. They missed field goals, game-winning field goals. You know why, Brett? I'll tell you why. Because on... Third and short, he said, let's run it up the middle so I can kick a field goal that's 50 yards or more. Rather than, what's the alternative? Hmm, I wonder. Maybe use your number one pick quarterback, your three big target wide receivers, and pick up the first down, get a little closer. Make it a little easier on the field goal kicker on a windy day. Even better shot to make a game-winning field goal. No. Could you, could you try that? Maybe once? out of the two times, but he didn't. He couldn't, he wouldn't. And thus, Zach Taylor proves again why it's so hard to bet the Bengals, because he would've gotten a push if you let out on him. Uh, maybe, is line three and a half mm -hmm. open? It might've been. Um, yeah, th this was a game to finish. 
that, you know, Green Bay's banged up. We know that. This was not a good spot for Green Bay to bet Green Bay. I was never confident that you should bet Green Bay. I just never bought that you should bet Cincinnati either just because it seemed like this was the type of game that would happen that, yeah, maybe either mm -hmm, team wins, mm -hmm, comes mm -hmm. down to a field goal, who yep. knows, because yep. flukiness with bad coaching. Like, that's... yeah. Yeah, no, and that's that's totally fair. And I think you know this was a game that I definitely leaned Bengals, uh, you know, especially at the field goal. Um, and you know, you kind of routinely pushed back on it. And you know, again, we did end up having a little bit of exposure to Bengals, but it was slim. Um, and that was because you you had primarily pushed back on this game specifically for those reasons that even if the Bengals are in a good position and have the talent to keep pace with a banged up Green Bay team at home that the Zach Taylor effect can create elevated uncertainty the point to the point where it actually compromises their ability to win a game to cover a game that they otherwise should and you know there's a really well articulated um argument in PFF this week by Seth Galina around uh, how Zach Taylor really is the Bengals' weakest link, which I think that's pretty well known. But to the extent that uh, he's such a big, that he's going to compromise the overall trajectory of this franchise and just waste the talent on this roster if uh, he continues to go down the path that he is. Uh, and again, we have not seen really any improvement in fact it's the talent on the roster that's probably masking some of uh his incompetence you know three and two now obviously exceeding expectations uh but they should probably you know be be even better than that well to just bring it home and so you could argue the first one um you know end of regulation 57 yarder you know time's running out like let's just Let's not risk it. Let's just try to kick a game winner. Okay, no, but okay. The, the second one in overtime, plenty of time left in overtime. Second and five, runs it up the middle. Third and two, runs it up the middle to kick a 49, 50-yard field goal. Your kicker just missed a 57-yard field goal to win it. Help him. It's third and two. You just ran it up the middle. You got a little closer. Now you're, you got a manageable down. You have Joe Burrow. It's, I mean, why else do you have him? This is not Mitch Trubisky back there. This is your guy. Let's go. Let's. I mean, and he, your kicker just missed one that was in that same, you know, general length, fifty yarder. So it's just like you can't even learn from the mistake you just made two, two minutes ago. Like, come on, man. So I'll finish with that. Uh, next up, New England, Houston. Houston, let out. Actually, one last thing I, I do want to close on with Bengals, and, and I think I'll maybe I'll touch on this when we move into the next week, is I don't think that the Bengals are unbettable because of Zach Taylor. Right but price. you do not but you do not want to bet them in positions when they're getting that benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. This is one of those weeks where they're getting a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And then, you know, again, they did get a little bit of the benefit out by the end of last week when it went under the field goal into the two and a half. And that was like a no touch. Yep, yep. That's a no touch. Uh, so I, I just want to close on that again. I, I think you can still bet on the Bengals. I think the Bengals, again, 
talent on the roster will be sufficient to overcome enough of his poor decision-making, but you're going to need to have a sufficient cushion in order to do that, which is one of the reasons why you cannot bet the Bengals minus seven and a half on a Thursday night versus the Jags. I don't care if it's the Jags. Uh, and you can't bet the Bengals minus a field goal, you know, or, or you know, less than a field goal versus, you know, a, a good team like the Packers, regardless of how, how banged up they are. Yeah. Um, so next up, uh, Patriots-Houston. So Houston? Patriots-Houston, one of the things I want to say is, uh, you know, one of the things we kind of scoffed and, and laughed at a little bit, uh, again, during some of our brainstorming storming sessions with, you know, some of the handicappers we, we love to share intel with, generate ideas, uh, and just broader kind of, you know, this collective intelligence that we like to leverage to improve our overall kind of process, decision-making. Josiah's Sharp Clark's take out a second mortgage game of the year. Oh. Bet the Texans, baby. Hey. And and, and because of his conviction, you know, we ended up having some exposure to Texans. Um, You know, and the Patriots was a no bet. You could, that's what they, like, you cannot bet the Patriots minus nine, minus eight on the road. I don't care how bad the Texans looked last week, especially with a decimated offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what turned, but, me, turned me around was that offensive line. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and But again, there, there was still... I'll, I'll give Josiah props just for the same fact of wanting to risk your integrity on the Texans. And... <laughs> and to, to maybe Josiah. A team that he has come around on meaningfully. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the first five weeks. And mostly just because his his priors were I granted there was some uncertainty, but there was an aspect of, of his priors that, you know, again, we were talking about, you know, we were sitting in Vegas in week one and, and you know, he was talking about how he thinks the Texans could be one of the worst teams in NFL history. Uh and, and I was saying, no, dude, I don't think they're gonna be that bad. I think they're gonna beat the, the Jags this week. Um, but again, so, you know, but this is one of the things, again, why, you know, he's done a good job of not being stubborn with your priors either. And you don't want to recklessly abandon your priors. You know, this is one of the, one of the things we actually challenged him on when he was talking about his handicap on this game was, you know, it wasn't to, to criticize and say, well, hey, dude, you said the Texans were the worst team of the football. Now you want to bet them? No, no, of course. Like, it's just, well, just make sure you recognize that was your prior and now you've evolved your view have you evolved your view for the right reasons or are you getting caught up in superficial details now if you've evolved your perspective uh views of this team then it makes sense you want to be flexible you know you don't want to be rigid uh and keep forcing the issue on a team and the market keeps and you keep fighting the market on a team and you keep losing you don't want to do that and so i think you know he's done a really good job of you know maintaining that overall agility and, and humility um in knowing when you're wrong and when there's you know tactical moments to you know shift your views and, and capitalize on the mispricing yeah, and the only thing I'll say on this is, you know, the, this 
watching the box score live, this game looked like Houston was dominating, but when I when I rewatched, Houston was in front and they were in charge most of the game, but I, I it didn't ever really feel like they were dominating. Like it seemed like once the Patriots kind of got that score, got that next like, oh here they come, they're coming, yep, and then oh they're gonna win. So it just as good as Houston played, obviously they got the cover um, from a straight straight up perspective. There was a couple fluky David Mills plays that went in his favor. Um, a, a long pass that guy caught, missed tackle, scored touchdown type stuff. So it was good compared to that Bills performance, uh, but definitely nothing to write home about, in my opinion, for the Texans. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. yeah, from an advanced analytics perspective, both these quarterbacks outperformed expectation, I would say. Both quarterbacks, 13% CPOE, uh, uh, nine yards, average depth of target. Uh, Davis Mills, 20 uh, 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 EPA. Uh, Mac Jones, you know, close 13. Um, so both, both played well, um, but... You know, I think what our concern was with Texans was exactly kind of, I think, how the game played out is, you know, they ended up outperforming the first half and then underperformed the second half, you know, and, you know, it's it's hard to rely on the Texans to do anything. And it's not even just, a, it wasn't just a Texans handicap. It was, you know, going against, obviously, a Bill Belichick coach team that, uh, as the uh, coaching acumen to exploit the weaknesses of, you know, uh, uh, under talent, you know, teams with that that lack talent, teams that are being quarterbacked by a rookie, uh, and so you wanted, you know, that that was like the elevated uh, uncertainty there. But again, happy we had at least some uh texans exposure there again uh largely due to to, to sharp clark's uh conviction there yep uh next up titans at jags uh this was pretty obvious as to you can't play the jags i even had that in my i cannot take jags went back to that list which proved correct again um i'm gonna make a lot of money on the jags apparently just fading them in the right spots um yeah, actually, this is a game that we probably should have just faded the Jags altogether from that Urban Meyer situation. Yeah, it just seemed too easy. Yeah, but it just seemed too easy. I mean, that, this was a this was four and a half pretty much all week. You know, everyone was pounding the Titans. Uh, you know, when we look at our you know chart around the aggregate cash positioning by betters, Titans was one of the uh, uh, was was generating some of the, the highest cash flow over the course of the week and this number wasn't moving yeah which was you know surprising uh and again that that doesn't mean that you bet the jags it doesn't mean you fade every other kind of fundamental angle that says don't bet the jags uh and then you and you bet the jags but it was one of the things that i would say like all right let's maybe be a little bit cautious maybe we're not seeing something here um you know and again it was just one of those picks that just seemed too easy and what I would say is, I mean, the Jags left points on the board, left at least 14 points on the bear. I mean, they were inside what yeah. five, 10 yard line, three times came away with zero points. So, I mean, say they capitalized to the best opportunity each time. It's another 21 points. That's what they win this game. 
So I think there was, you know, some uh, element there that you could you could justifiably say, you know, maybe the Jags even should have covered. But again, there's still the Jags. There was a lot of noise this week. And this is the type of reasons why it's hard to bet on them because even though they were in the position, same thing that we talked about last week, Lions-Bears. The Lions still aren't a good team. Now, they're getting better, but they're still not a good team. And those are the types of teams that can get inside the 10-yard line four times and come away with zero points. The Jags are another type of team like that. So even if, oh man, they're driving up and down the field. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think they're going to be able to exploit the Titans' uh, 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 rush defense. And I think Trevor Lawrence is getting better. But can they close? And the answer is no. And are they mistake prone? And the answer is yes. And And when those things happen, (laughs) you have to know that going into it and making sure you're getting a sufficient amount of points to really compensate for that. Mm -hmm. And four and a half wasn't, again, I say Jaguars should have covered. Jaguars could have even won, but it still was not a sharp play. It was a square sharp play if you played the Jags. Because basically probably what you did is Look at all the cash going in on the Titans. The line's not moving. Sharps must be on the Jags. And maybe they were. And maybe they were right-ish. But that's not cash tickets. Cool. Jags unbettable as long as Urban Meyer's getting lap dances at bars. Next up, Lions at Vikings. Our favorite game of the season so far because we doubled down like idiots. We're going to be honest. We doubled oh, down massive like Stupid. idiots. So it's it's fine. Again, Brett may disagree. I think it's fine if you want to go with the market on one contest entry, but we had two. So there was definitely no reason to do two on the most conviction play probably of the season. Mm-hmm. But we did. And just to provide some some more some context here is, you know, we have two survivor entries in Circus Survivor, and we picked the Vikings twice. Uh knowing, knowing. Or heavily expect that the Vikings were likely to be the number one pick or the number two pick and possibly at, you know, a very elevated level. That came to fruition. 40% of the field was in on the Vikings. So there was nothing to really gain this week. There was nothing to gain from just a competitive advantage this week. We were just going to go with the market, survive, move on to the next week. Um, and just hope that actually that was the best case scenario. You know, there was nothing for us to gain, just to squeak by. And that's exactly what happened. And while I'm disappointed in this one, again, I don't want to belabor the point too much because we, you know, we've talked about this offline ad nauseum. I, you know, I was pounding the table pretty much all week on why we can't take the Vikings because of this type of, you know, you could look at the the win percentage chart and you could say, well, the Vikings, you know, were expected to win this game 90% of the time for 99% of the game. But it doesn't matter because this is not, th- this end result was predictable. If you bet sports, right? And if you've been betting the Vikings for the last three years, a team that's coached by Zimmer, that's quarterbacked by Kirk Cousins, is this an outlier outcome? Is this... Wow, didn't see that coming. No. I mean, 
you were calling it even as the game started to show just a crack it's like this is we're in trouble but as, as, soon, as soon as there's as soon as it was a seven point game i think i even texted in our chat i said oh before the vikings fumbled i said like somehow the, the lines are going to get touched up and i said and they're probably going to go for two is what you yeah, said yeah that's exactly what i said Yeah. Again, the Vikings should have lost. We should be out of it. This should have been a miserable week. Well, so hey, um, so I'm gonna give us some some pat on the back, and we'll move on. Is yes, we won the market, but at least we knew it. We admitted it. The bad is a bad second pick for sure. We kind of ran out of time, so we kind of just forced it. At yeah, the end. it should have been diversified. It should have been Bucks. It should have been what we were leaning yeah. into was Bucks Vikings. And yeah, but I I will say. That should free us up because now we're we have this kind of like free roll mentality in theory where <laughs> we don't think we deserve to be in it because that was such a sure. like, especially for both picks. It's just it was dumb. So, hey, who are we picking this week? Jets, Dolphins. Let's go. Let's 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 get That's some like the Jets since they're not playing this week, too. <laughs> let's really look <laughs> sharp. Um, how'd you guys get eliminated? Ah, oh, we picked the Jets. Oh man, they, they suck. No, no, on their bye week. Oh, <laughs> idiots. <laughs> um, okay, next up, let's go to Broncos, Steelers. This is a game that was actually probably more competitive than the final score. Uh, Steelers had a couple opportunities. Yeah, again, my adjusted score, I would yeah. say Broncos won the game, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say that because obviously the game flow can change when certain plays happen. Yes, but yes, yes, of course. It definitely was the the spread line was right. It was it was basically a pick 'em type game. Um, but the one thing I will say that Pittsburgh did well is uh, they found rhythm in the running game, which has not existed yet. So if the offensive line can at all have any kind of push and give Harris some uh, breathing room, that's something where it takes the pressure off Big Ben. He can just you know make a couple of nice passes a game, score their 24 points, let the defense take care of the rest. Like that's where the Steelers can find some success this season. Whereas the first few weeks, whatever the hell that offense was, is definitely not going to work. So mm -hmm. um, that's a silver lining potentially for this game I take away from. Yeah, I would say, you know, Broncos offense for the first three quarters was anemic. Uh, we saw some of the same things that we've been seeing from the Steelers, especially last week and other times is Big Ben can hit a deep ball and then, you know, he'll totally whiff on three or four and look like, Ugh. but, you know, he still has a sufficient arm and chemistry to hit a deep ball or two a game. And if they go for touchdowns, then, you know, that can really change the outcome of games. What I would say, and one of the things you're talking to you offline, a stat I would love to see and a stat that I haven't seen is, you know, What's the ATS record of quarterbacks a week following a concussion? Especially, you know, the immediate week after a concussion. So you know, a concussion, knocked out of a game, come back the next week and play. So, you know, that setup was, you know, the context around Teddy Bridgewater playing this week. It's going to be the context around Danny Dimes playing this week, ostensibly. Um, you know, and we've seen this happen multiple times. And just from an anecdotal perspective, I want to say that that quarterback underperforms. And basically, Teddy Bridgewater did not look good for the first three quarters of this game. I don't know if it was game planning or whatnot, but you know, Denver really struggled offensively th first three quarters. Came alive in the fourth quarter, 
And Pittsburgh was bailed out multiple times. Now, again, I want to give them credit to the fact that they still put points on the board. They still capitalized on second chances. So you can't just write that off. They did what they needed to do. But I want to just make a few points. One, Pittsburgh kicks a field goal, makes it. Penalty on Denver. Gives Pittsburgh a first down. Next play touchdown. Another one third and 15 from like the 35 yard line or something like that. Big Ben sails the ball. Again, I think it was like generally uncatchable. They call a ticky tack PI call. Again, this would have been now fourth and 15. Maybe they make the field goal. Maybe they don't. Let's just say they make the field goal. Sure. They get obviously a first down now after the pass interference, next play touchdown. So that's 14 points when it could have been three or six, six, like literally probably best case scenario. If the, if the Broncos just don't make those mistakes, those two very critical mistakes. So that's an extra eight points for Pittsburgh right there. That come on, that is totally fair. That that is a gifted eight points. And then big Ben also threw two egregious passes that were literally in the breadbasket of the Broncos defender and just dropped it. And then a play later after that, you know, was a, a huge play that pushed uh, Pittsburgh into scoring. So just multiple confluence of events that put Pittsburgh in very favorable positions. And then you can say, well, hey, hey maybe that happened to Denver too. No, that didn't happen to Denver in this game. In fact, Denver, I feel I just got kind of unlucky multiple times. And so again, Pittsburgh wins this game. They cover, they win by eight. But my adjusted score as Denver winning this game, you know, like 23 to 20. So yeah, we can move on. Could be fair. Um, Bucks, Miami. Oh, you know what happened here? Tom Brady happened. And Miami yeah, had. I don't think we even needed to no. go into this one. This, I mean, this the only, is just the only thing I would say is Miami. I don't think Miami's as bad. I'm very bearish on Miami. I don't think they're as bad as they're playing. I think there's going to be a corner they turn where they're closer to average and less than bad. I don't know when that's going to be, but I think it's coming. So hold on to your hats. Who will look like he's going to be back? And maybe that's That's the catalyst. I mean, Brissette actually played pretty well. Just again, it's a lot of the the advantages they got last year. The ball bouncing their direction has literally gone the opposite way now. And so you're seeing instead of this being like what could have been like a high scoring 34 to 41 type game is like, oh, they got destroyed. Um, and I think they should get some regression to that through this season. So that's my takeaway. Yeah, I mean, you've been bearish on Miami and you've definitely been right. Um, but yeah, I don't think a lot of great takeaways from this game. So I think we can move on, especially since we said we're going to go through this pretty fast. We're only halfway through. <laughs> that's good quicker then. And it's been like an hour. Saints, Washington. Saints, Hey, ying, yang, ying, yang, ying. Here we go. This is week five. They did the opposite yep. of what they did the week before. So, yeah, Saints was one of our highest conviction plays of the week. Um, it was one of the games that we had the most exposure to. Yeah. One of the few games that we were definitely right on. Winston clearly outperformed Heineken. Again, Winston didn't kind of got, you know, I mean, the bomb yeah. right before half yeah, that for a touchdown. That, that was, really, that was the, yeah, the that was big. That was big. Um, uh, Winston not very accurate in this game. I think he wasn't very wasn't very accurate either. Um, 
I wasn't super impressed with the Saints. Again, the Saints defense kind of kept them in position. Um, but I feel like the Saints just kind of keep underperforming, even though they ended up winning this game by 11. I feel like it's a little bit misleading. Hmm. Uh, and so I'd still be cautious on the Saints, this whole yin, yang, yin, yang, like you mentioned. I don't know if they're out of the woods uh, of that type of pattern. They're going to be a team that, you know, you ha really have to handicap on a week to week basis to see, is this the week that, you know, there's opportunities to bet them? Because I think that from what I see, and, you know, Taysom Hill was knocked out of this game. And, you know, you can say, you know, obviously Winston's a better quarterback than Taysom Hill, but he still adds a nice wrinkle to this offense from time to time. And if you lose him, I think that's a net negative. Um, and so you're going to have to be cautious on the Saints. Uh, Washington's football, you know, football team, their defense continues to get exploited, especially again in the secondary. The bomb right before halftime was a great example of that. I mean, I don't know if anyone saw that play, but I mean, the defenders, none of them even jump. Very bizarre. Uh, I don't know what's going so on, but you know, Winston again hit, hit a lot of kind of big passes. Um, that we're able to get the, the team down the field. Um, so yeah, again, you need to be yeah very selective. I think both these teams will continue to be bettable in, you know, as long as it's an, it's, it's an opportunistic spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Washington very well could be 0-5, so I, I just think the team's not very good. I thought there was a little too much love for Washington coming into the season just because I think they have the same problems they did last year except a worse defense. So, or at least the league's kind of caught up to what they like to do. Um, next up, Browns, Chargers, probably the game of the week. Um, two playoff teams for sure, assuming they're healthy. Um, Justin Herbert, is he a top five quarterback? I'm starting to think he might be. Because um, I think... Well, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago or last week, and I was saying definitely yes. Well, and, and the reason I, I, the reason I want to just kind of say it I'm just going to say it, yes. And you're going to say it too. He's a top five quarterback, maybe higher. And I think the reason why it's important to say that is because even if he's not quite, it's to really stick it to the haters, uh, like pre-draft haters, who I think are still coming around. Like, I think they're still holding on to hope that maybe he's not as good as, because it just makes them look worse, <laughs> right? So, so let's forget all the hate, forget all the hype, forget all of it. Let's just look at what is. I mean, he's been he's been phenomenal, and he's only, he's only played a, a full year now. Because he, remember, he didn't start the season last year. He came in what week two, three, four, or five? I can't remember exactly. But yeah, week two. Yeah, week two. So, so he's played a little more than a year now. Um, but I mean, he's playing like he's a fifth year quarterback. It's insane. It's great. So, um, yeah, super impressed. But and also the one thing is, if you you know, I think. You know, Brand Staley's obviously putting him in position to play as well as he is. Now, obviously, he you still need to have talent. You need need to be able to actually execute. But I think the broader coaching staff's really just getting, you know, squeezing the most juice out of the Herbert talent pool. Uh and really getting the best of them. And, you know, I'm incredibly bull. Get, I, I mean, I keep getting more and more bullish on the Chargers. Uh, the more that I hear, you know, Coach Daly talk, mm -hmm. the more that I see the decision-making on the field. Uh, and I think, you know, you're going to start to see this obviously more and more in the NFL, especially when you get these younger head coaches. 
broader macro downstream outcome of this, though, I think, is you're going to see uh, elevated volatility in football, um, even more so than, you know, we already do have. I mean, there was a huge play, huge decision, uh, a high leverage play. Uh, I don't know, maybe early fourth or late third uh, when the Chargers, you know, were down multiple scores and they go for it on fourth, you know, on their own 25 yard line or something like that. Um, because you have that type of coach on the sideline over there who's aggressive, who's can see the downstream outcome of not going for it in that situation. Changes the complexity of the game. You know, and I love seeing these types of coaches who are coaching on field the way we play Madden mm. when we're kids. You know, and that's when, again, like I, I've talked about this before as well. It's just that's one of the things I think is really driving this new wave of change, not just analytics. It's the fact that our generation of coaches grew up playing, making play calling, reading defenses, building rosters playing video games yeah, fun. and now you know how how many times would we punt i mean it would ha it would have to be like fourth and 28 from like your own 10 yeah for me to punt play the odds because you know yeah. you if you have an offensive advantage you play the advantage mm -hmm. yeah and so but what, what i was going to close on in, in that play is so they go for it on fourth they get it and then you know what happens happens if they don't get it, and the Browns were, you know, continue, they scored 40 points. They were moving the ball effortlessly as well. They scored a touchdown. Now you're down in excess of 20 points. The game is completely different. You're screwed. And so what I'm saying is as those types of decisions start to happen, you know, start to sprout up more and more in different games, you're going to get wildly d different outcomes in games. You can have Chargers end up pulling out the game and it's 47 to 42, or the Browns run away from with this game, win by, you know, 15, you know, two, three touchdowns. And everyone's talking about how the Browns, who have been flying under the radar, are now one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, which does hurt us having the Browns plus two and a oh, half. Oh yeah, because we had, we we had Browns across everything. It was the right. I mean, it yeah, was yeah. it was right. I mean, you yeah. Can't, I mean, even even game script, game flow. I mean, the, the flukiness of. I mean, li literally, Eckler admitted, "Oh, I didn't want to score. I would. I wanted to go down, mm -hmm. but they pushed me in." Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Todd Gurley. Like, are these guys ever going to learn? Like, I don't understand how you go in the huddle late in the game like do they not look at the clock like do they not like it's just basically we were on the the wrong side of a guy making an idiot play mm. to well we're on the yeah yeah well we're on the wrong side of variance all week but almost all season but that's that's <laughs> but it's not even it's not even ball bouncing the wrong way variance it's i'm actually stupid variant like like i do the opposite of what i should do to help my team win Dude, like stupid like that is like oh, these the, are athletes so. but that is the most frustrating thing when like you have to like you just have to know you have to know you shouldn't score so you don't let them push you in you dive mm -hmm. down at the zero like it just it's baffling um so yeah 
that was that. So next up, the beloved Gruden era is over. The Raiders are finished. The Bears took care of business. The defense played really well. Got after Carr. Khalil Mack played great. Nice revenge spot. Should have considered that more detail, I think. Yeah, oh no, we did, but that, that's a weak angle anyway. But I mean, Mack definitely was impactful in this game, which he always is when he plays. When he plays. <laughs> yeah, which he um, yeah, and which he, he did. Um, but real quick, I will say, I still think your point about the Bears QB, Mr. Fields, not very impressive. I, I know he his numbers are a little better than people might think. Just watching the tape, he's just, I don't, like, he's just so, he's so raw. He's a lot like Trey Lance in that respect. Like, he might make a good play here or there, um, but he just feels too green for the moment. And so if the Bears don't get an early lead, if they don't play strong defense, not like in that Browns game, like, I don't think this team has a chance. So pick your spots wisely because this team is definitely bettable when the defense is going to lead the way and definitely fadeable when that's not going to happen. So, yeah. And, and this was a game that, I mean, again, on the wrong side of variance as, you know, we had some Raiders exposure. Um, unwise one, because, you know, as we were finalizing our contest picks on Saturday, you know, I was, you know, mentioning to you, um, you know, clearly you were spending too much time uh, with your baby. Uh, because I'm like, yeah, what about this, like, all this Gruden stuff going on? Like, I, I don't know if that's, like, just, it's just noise. Like, it's distraction. You're like, what Gruden stuff? What do you mean, what Gruden stuff? What are you doing? Yeah, I heard about it at least. <laughs> you heard about it literally <laughs> too late. Before, like information I could have used yesterday, you know, like, uh, but anyway, multiple drops by the Raiders in this game in yeah. at critical moments. Um, and not tough catches like, uh, like, yeah, maybe he could have caught it. Like, no, like right in the numbers drops yeah. multiple by Brian Edwards. Yep. Um, that again, changed the complexion of this game. This was not, you no know, Bears went 20 to nine. This was by no means a, denom a, a domination by the Bears. This was, again, something in the air out in Vegas. Um, and again, I can only imagine what was going through Gruden's head over the course of this game, because I'm sure he saw the writing on the wall, knew what was coming. Hmm. You know, because he knew it wasn't going to be just this email. He knew what else was going on. So, like, again, it's just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um. That's a massive distraction, knowing that your career is yep. on the precipice. Um, so this was the game we, we should have definitely avoided just for that purpose. Same reason, you know, like you avoid the Jags with all the kind of noise going on over the course of the week. How prepared can you really be? Uh, should have done it. And, and again, at least you were getting points with, with the Jags. So should have avoided Raiders for that reason. Nonetheless... This game should have been much closer. Raiders, I would say, again, this was the worst offensive performance that I saw from the Raiders. And it what it was like, it was weakness on the Raiders, not like the, the Bears D was like suffocating. Yeah, it, it it was it looked like a team that was disinterested because they were distracted. Like the time the, the offensive timing and scheme. I mean, well, how do you drop passes in fact? Well, and that's it's the thing, mostly like, because yeah, you're well, distracted. But like even the scheming play calling, like it just 
everything just felt not like it just didn't yeah it looked uninspired um which you know the wind was kind of taken out of the sail and i think the team was about to revolt and raiders got ahead of it right out of the game so next up san francisco cardinals this is this was another game we're on the wrong side of variance yes. i mean again the niners inside the 10-yard line multiple times come away with no points mm -hmm. yeah changes the complete outcome of this game because San Francisco plus five and a half was another exposure that we had across multiple contests that we end up losing. And this is, again, one of the reasons why, again, we had one of our worst weeks that we've had in years. But I'm not that mad about it because again, we're like, I feel like we're in the right position on the most on in most instances. Again, like I feel like, you know, Raiders was a whiff and there was other whiffs, but we were on the right. I don't want to say the right side, but you know, a side that was certainly justifiable and it was like heads or tails and we just kept picking the wrong side. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, the, the hard part with this game is, yes, we were on the wrong side of variance here, but I also hated backing Trey Lance here because of what I saw the game before when he came in Garoppolo. And it was really what kind of played out here is <laughs> Niners had to get the fourth downs and then, then yeah. it's a toss-up. Anything can happen on fourth down. Yeah. Like that's you do as an offense, you do not want to be in fourth mm -hmm. downs unless you have like a killer offensive line. And 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 that's exactly how this game played out. What they they couldn't convert two or three fourth downs. The goal line he gets stuffed. Like it, it because because he's so limited passing the ball, he becomes predictable. Defense can clamp down on it. That's exactly kind of what happened here um, over the course of the game, I feel like. So, yeah. And one thing I, I want to give a shout out to definitely, you know, Ron Ace, Ron Ace Sports on Twitter. You know, he was our guest last week. And one of the things that was percolating in my mind when we were de deciding to allocate to the Niners, and that was like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't. You know, I know also Josiah Sharp Clark was losing, you know, he leaned Niners being able week, but was kind of losing conviction over the course of the week. You know, we were as well, and we kind of just, you know, allocated to them anyway. Again, biggest weakness of, of our overall week was the fact that we were allocated to way too many games. And so we should have, this was one we definitely should have leaned away from because, you know, this, this comment, this observation from Ron Ace Sports, you know, talking about how when you have a young quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback, you have a nice big tight end, you know, that can be a nice safety blanket for that quarterback, put them in much better positions, you know, a, a, a nice big body that when you're, you know, under duress, uh, that you can really leverage. And so when you take out Kittle, who, you know, is not just a tight end, but one of the best tight ends in the league, one of their best receivers on the team, um, you know, that, you know, that's not a favorable setup. No. Um, and, and, you know, that was one thing, again, that I kept thinking about, like, and that, I mean, that's a really good point. And, and yeah, George Kittle would have been huge yeah. in this game, especially like you mentioned with all those fourth downs, because it wasn't like the Niners weren't in position to score or to move the ball. They were, but they just couldn't close. They couldn't convert. And again, you have a body like George Kittle on the field there. They definitely convert more of those. Hey, maybe the Niners win this game. My Niners definitely cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I agree with that. And Cardinals played okay. Not not great, but it's kind of what we expected. It's why we leaned San Francisco. It just didn't play out that way. Um, yep. Next up, Giants, Dallas. Another one we decided to get in front of a train, and the train ran us over. And Danny Dimes, and a few of the other players. And this was a, this was a game. It's a little misleading. Bloodbath. It's a little misleading. It is and it isn't. Dallas's offense is playing very well. And in this game, they ran the ball at will on the Giants. That said, the Giants were very competitive. This game probably was going to be tight down the stretch had Danny Dimes at least not gotten injured. At least tighter. I don't know if it would have... Um, you know, Dallas got an extra score at the end that inflated this too. So it's definitely not a three-score game. It's probably seven to ten point type game if Danny Dimes doesn't knock himself out by diving for the pylon. So it's hard to know what to take away from this other than that once again another NFC East defense is not very good. At least not as good as the market thought coming into the season or that really good offenses can just do whatever they want to him. I don't know which but um, definitely should not be that high on some of these defenses because there's not a lot in the NFL that have really impressed this season. Uh, to be honest yeah yeah and this one this is one that yeah you can again giants was a team that we had a lot of exposure to this week at you know the seven seven and a half you can make the now i've made a lot of excuses for why our sides should have been in better positions should have cashed this one i'm not i i, I don't want to make the excuse of well, you know, they lost their best wide receiver, they're, they're running back, their quarterback. Obviously, all that hurts. But I think even if they have that, they probably, in my opinion, they probably still don't cover this number. Maybe. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's probably it's probably in that 7 to 13 range, though. It gives you, you're, you're at least in play, is you were, I guess the yeah, point yeah. that I'm Yeah, you could, have back, you could have maybe backdoored it. But the Cowboys were clearly the superior team. I don't think the Giants were ever going to be in a position to win this game. And... Even if you're taking a seven-point underdog, you want to lean into a game that you, that you know is that they can win that game. Um, and you know the one that my takeaways here was, I mean, the Cowboys were clearly winning this game late into the fourth, and they were still going for touchdowns. Um, so that's something you just want to keep in mind from an aggressiveness perspective, from a totals perspective, from you know a spread perspective. That even if the number seems a little bit high. You, know, you have a team here that's going to just keep trying to score. Um, it doesn't seem like they're going to try and take the foot off the gas pedal. Dare we that's say the notable. Buffalo of the, the Buffalo, NFC? Yeah, the Buffalo of the, the NFC. Oh, speaking of, Buffalo Chiefs. Chiefs got walloped. Now, and and they, I think our, our last game here that we had, again, uh, ubiquitous exposure across all of our contests was Chiefs minus two and a half. We talked last week why we like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's dead wrong. Yeah, I actually was on the Bills start the week. I even had them in my prediction game. Then I started to come around because you you tried to catch a falling knife and you get you get stabbed. I was the reason I was high on the Bills is because it seemed like the market wasn't quite ready to buy them because they weren't the Chiefs, even though they were playing at a high level, even though they weren't playing great competition. Mm -hmm. And Maybe, I, but but again, but but the thing is, is the market was on the Chiefs in this game. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's my point. Is, is it was a consensus, the circa, circa, and the cash, you know, but total that's, cash. That's why I was on the Bills, is because it seemed like the Bills weren't getting the credit 
that they deserved. And so I actually thought, so though, yeah, though the Chiefs was a short line and I came around to that side, I started the week thinking, oh, but the Bills are still not getting any respect. And the Chiefs are getting all this respect based on what? They haven't done anything. They've played terrible as a team throughout the season. Wasn't defensive. According to expectations. So, yeah, th this is a game that played into kind of where I think both teams are headed. And, I, and again, I'll, I'll reiterate this point. Chiefs will probably go on a run, win five games in a row, probably make the playoffs. But I'll tell you now, if they don't, I'm not going to be shocked. And part of the reason is, is because they're top-heavy and they've peaked. Top-heavy how? Well, they peaked two years ago. Uh, yeah, they peaked two years ago. And and so everyone's playing... We've been talking about that. Everyone's playing to beat the Chiefs. And, and they're now figuring out how to. So Patrick Mahomes' variance of, of turnovers is finally catching up to him. Their top heaviness, if Kelsey mm -hmm. or Hill are banged up at all, this offense is, is a shell of its of its greatness. And yeah. then and then what do they have? To, what's their pivot? They don't have one. They don't have a running game anymore. So it's it's Patrick Mahomes has to literally be amazing against all odds, like probable odds. Like he can't throw a turnover. Mm -hmm. Like he, like he's got to beat the variance for this team to like compete against good teams. Now we're just talking about compete. Well, I, I think, you know, de definitely going to have to splice out, you know, this, uh, you know, that five minute rant that I went on week one, talking about comparing the chiefs to the warriors <laughs> and how I thought again, like the league adapted to the warriors mitigated the strength, their strength collapsed the delta between how great they were relative to the competition. And, you know, now everyone's talking about that. Oh man, you know, like leagues caught up to the Chiefs, like now that it's so obvious. But I was calling that early. Again, not that we've been profiting from it, which is the most important thing. Well, the Super Bowl. Which we haven't because we've still been leaning into the Chiefs. Um. So not putting our money where our mouth is, but uh, again, at least you know had that ma ma macro call right. Um, you know, we'll see how it continues to play out. Again, like I don't want to say they're they're dramatically underperforming. I mean, obviously, the offense is still playing great. They're underperforming to what the Chiefs' offense has historically been. So we have such elevated expectations for their offense. They're still by far, I feel like, again, top two offense in the league. Um. It's just obviously their defense is absolutely miserable, exploitable by, at this point in time, every offense that they've played. Uh, and so we'll see this week versus Washington. If Washington puts 35 points on them, Chiefs got uh, uncorrectable problems, I would say. Um, next up, Colts-Baltimore last game for the preview of week six. Baltimore was getting demolished. Eh, getting crushed. Eh, getting beat pretty bad. At home by the Colts. Colts are playing well on offense, especially. And they were actually making some decent plays on defense, but then they were getting tired and they lost a couple defensive backs down to like third, fourth stringers. And then Lamar could throw, stand back there, throw to whoever he wanted because even if they could get to him, he'd run around the pressure and just find some guy down down the, the seam. So 
it was a very fluky win for the Ravens again. It was a second or third time. Um, third time of the season. Third time of the third season. Third game. I think one of the things that Corey pointed out when we were talking with him, this is the third time the Ravens have won when their win percentage in the second half was 10% or less. Hmm. Yeah, that's bad. So, not... not what, what My takeaway from this game is... Colts offense with Carson Wentz and those running backs is fairly difficult to stop. It was actually quite, quite dynamic at times. And Lamar Jackson is very beatable when your defense is healthy and not tired. And that's, those are the keys. So. Uh, again, Indy got tallied even more injuries in this game. So something I have to closely monitor. And the offensive line is still banged up. The defense looks like it's even more banged up now. I don't have a positive takeaway from from this game from Indy. Yeah, I mean it's okay. So let's move on to next week. Um, as we quickly recap week five, uh, this is something I've been wanting to do. So let's just do it again. We don't have to spend too much time again on, on each matchup. But, you know, I want to do this little crossfire on a game. You know, okay. so we'll keep rotating. I'm going to pick a game that you have to handicap and pick a side. And then you pick a game that I'll have to handicap and pick a side. And then from here on, moving forward, we'll do five each. We'll do five each. And from here on out, we'll keep track of this record. And, uh, you know... We'll decide what the winner gets on, on next week's block. How about that? So make it a little bit fun. So I'm, I'm going to pick the first game for you. All right. So obviously I want to pick a difficult game. I want to pick a difficult game because I want to make gotcha. the opportunity like for this. you to pick the right side incorrect. Right. I'm going to go hmm. with Vikings Panthers. Panthers Ooh. were minus one. Now it's Vikings minus one. Ooh. Total 45 and a half. Hmm. Pick your side. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I, I shat all over Darnold. Hmm. And we didn't speak highly of the Vikings either. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, the best play of this game, I, I obviously, it's not doesn't count towards our bet, but it would be the under, in my opinion. This game looks a lot like that Minnesota-Cleveland game. Um, and I think you might have two conservative coaches trying to protect their, their offenses a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Especially, it actually, uh, it looks like it's leaning to 46, so you could probably wait. Uh, but yeah, I like that. I like the under, Vikings-Panthers. Um, if I had to choose a side, man, I'm conflicted. I'm not going to lie. This is actually a tougher one. Like, normally I have a pretty quick initial. Well, that's why I chose lean. it. That's good. That's a good call. Um, I... Who do I trust less in this spot? Carolina's at home, right? Yeah. I don't know if Darnold is fixable. Like Cousins, you know you'll get good, you'll get bad, you'll get good, you'll get bad. Carolina's defense is good. This is tough. It's going to come down to some fluky variants or something. Just don't trust Carolina with Darnold. I'm gonna All right, uh, spit it out. I'm gonna do Minnesota. All right, do Minnesota. Okay. All right, Vikings is your lean. I'm gonna say the Panthers smoke. 
time for a Vikings just shit the bed week. We, we already saw uh, uh, a preview of it in the second half last week. I'm on the Panthers. Uh, not that that counts because this is not a head-to-head on the matchup. So you're, you're, you got the Vikings, right? So you're not picking a game for me. I got a good one for you, douchebag. How about Arizona at Cleveland? Like minus three. Oh, I love spot. it. Thank you. Oh no, you've given me a gift. Browns definitely like a Browns here. Uh, I think you know this is going to be one of the tougher matchups for the Cardinals' season to date. Uh, it plays right into our broader macro thesis on the Cardinals. We expected the Cardinals to start out hot. That was part. That was one of the scenarios that we thought was going to be one of the more likely scenarios. And that they would eventually kind of lose luster around the second quarter of the season. Hmm. Here we are in week six. Uh, again, we talked about last week how the Browns were kind of playing well, but kind of were sneaky under the radar. Uh, I feel like, again, probably should have won on the road versus the Chargers, who I think I think very highly of. Give me the Browns minus three. Maybe we can get it to, I think that, I think it was two and a half, maybe two earlier on um, in the week. Um, so obviously three is far less attractive than that. But if we can get this to drip lower, you know, get those Cardinals, you know, I can't, can't get in front of the Cardinals. This is a freight train. Yeah. No, I will. You like, I will. You like trains. Run me over. Run him over. All right, I got Browns. Um, Dolphins, Jags. Oh. In London. Oh, easy. Dolphins minus three. Leaning to three and a half. Totals 47. Yeah. With Tua coming out, what now? It's a slam dunk for you? Is, is Tua playing? It's, it's seeming like he might. I think he's just practicing. I don't think he's playing. Um, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna play the same angle that I wanted to play Atlanta last week, which is the whole Trevor Lawrence young team going overseas variance. Um I think Miami kind of like how the Eagles after they got stomped by KC. I mean, it's it's really embarrassing for a defense when they're that when they they think they're better than that type of performance, and then they know they're better than giving up forty five points type stuff. So I, I think Miami's defense is going to definitely have some improvement, whereas I think the Jags are just lost. I think the Jags are just they don't. I mean, there's no way they believe Urban Meyer. So Maybe. I'll, I'll take Miami. I'll take the I'll, I'll lay the points. Um, Jags will find a way to squander the game, and yeah. Play it. I, I, it, if Tua plays, I definitely lean Dolphins. Uh, but, you know, I keep waiting for a good performance from the Dolphins and it just keeps not happening. Yeah. Um, they're not good. <laughs> I mean, you look at on paper, you want to say, like, hey, this defense should be pretty good. Hey, they got. You know, I mean, no, Devontae Parker didn't play last week. Obviously, Will Fuller's out. Offensive line sucks. The offensive line definitely sucks. Brissett, you, know, you always thought kind of Brissett was going to be one of the best backups, but I mean, he has not played well. 
mean, at all. I mean, it's not like he's playing like absolutely terrible. You know, he's not Dwayne Haskins, just like not even giving the Dolphins a chance right off the bat. Uh, but I mean, he's he's clearly a backup that you want to come in, play a game, play a second half, and then you know go find your seat back on the bench, sir. Um, and the Jags again, they keep there's getting sneakier and sneakier. Should have been closer versus the Titans. Eileen Jags. Okay, pick a game for me. Um, I'm going to give you one that I don't want. Dallas at New England. We have minus three and a half, Dallas. Yeah, super square to do Dal- to do Dallas. And again, I'm waiting for, again, we haven't really seen a bad performance from Dallas, Dallas yet. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I feel like it's a bit square sharp to do Patriots. You're just going to say, I'm getting a field goal. It's Bill Belichick at home. Tough defense. I mean, Josiah hates the Patriots defense. It's one of the things that, oh, it was another angle for him in the Texans-Patriots matchup was he thinks the Patriots defense is like extremely overrated. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Again, I don't think the Patriots defense is top 10, but I think they're better than average. Well, and, and I think their defense uh, is... And it'll, it'll be put to the test in this game for sure. Well, uh, and basically, if you think that they... Because the, the Patriots offense is not going to keep up with the Dallas offense. No. So it's going to have to be more of a defensive game. It's, it's uh, more... And can the Patriots kind of hold the ball? Can they get can they get eight-minute drives? And again, just play that how you you know teams want to play the Chiefs, especially in, in past seasons. Just take the ball out of their hands. But obviously, Belichick's going to have a great game plan. Yeah, yeah, this this one's a tough one. I, I want to say Cowboys, but it just feels so just square. Not even, not even square. It just seems like dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe it's synonymous, but well, one thing uh, I'll say about the Belichick thing is, you know, maybe the defense is bad. Let's just say it's bad. Talent doesn't know what it's doing. If but Josiah I- is right and the Patriots defense is bad, then it's definitely Cowboys. Well, but what I was going to say is Belichick is the defense, right? So if you remember back real quick to when Belichick took out Sean McVay in the Super Bowl, that year, that defense ended up being amazing by the time the Super Bowl came around. But I'm pretty sure if you look back, that defense was not very good to start the season. So they, I mean, they completely found what their identity was and how to operate in a, a Belichick system by the time the end of the season and the playoffs the Super Bowl came. So, you know, New England has some talent um, on defense. Maybe not a lot, but some. So, you know, I think there's an angle there that on the road, Dallas feeling hot, you know, Bill's going to take away the number one thing Dallas wants to do, which is probably run the ball or just take away Dak's kind of like uh, deep passing or, or depending on what Bill's going to do. So, you know, make them one-dimensional. Mac Jones plays well. I could see. I could see this being in play for the Patriots. So, yeah. I mean, again, since I have to choose, first of all, I see four on Bookmaker, so I'm going to take the four and do Patriots. Four, I do like. I think that's. Yeah, it could be Mac Jones coming out party too. Um. All okay. right, I'm going to go for you, Bengals, Lions. Ooh. Bengals minus three on the road. 
Total 47 and a half. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to back Zach Taylor. My strongest bias is against the Bengals. So I'm going to keep it going. And I'm going to, you know what? I'm actually going to go further, Brett. I get double down You're points. You're going to take the Lions money line? Lions money line. I think this, because it, it, let's be, let's be. You don't get any extra credit for that, but I'll take it. All right. You got Lions money line. You're, you're. Hey, for no positive expected value. I love this. <laughs> Let me just throw. In fact, it's toilet. negative expected value. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only bets I make are minus EV. Yes. Give, give me even money minus 160 laying it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and Goffy trust. And Goffy and I trust. Um, all right, for you. All right, what's your? Um, oh, this is a good one. Chargers, Baltimore. Baltimore minus three at home. Yep, give me Chargers. Again, this one feels a little bit square too, but I don't know, maybe not. I mean, maybe there's so much love for Ravens. I want to see, you know, again, we have some alternative indicators that we like that. Again, we are going to wrap in an app and eventually start to share with our broader audience. Still not quite there yet, but there's this alternative data that we look at that really gives us some great insights into broader market sentiment, how betters are positioning themselves from an overall kind of pick perspective, not just from a cash perspective. Uh, and it's been really insightful, giving us a lot of uh, a leading indicator into the realized positioning of the market. Uh, and so, you know, we get access to that data on Saturday mornings. So that's gonna, I feel like really influence my leaning in this game. If there's a heavy imbalance for the Ravens, then that's gonna give me more conviction to bet the chargers. If it's either, if it's balanced or people are actually taking the chargers, then I'll probably just avoid this game. Uh, but for the sake of this game, um, I'm going to take chargers plus three. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that that Ravens defense, I think w what went under the radar in the Colts Ravens game is the Colts do not have a great offense. In fact, their offense is again is very banged up and even they were still able to move the ball score on that Ravens defense. I think the Chargers will definitely do that. I also think the Ravens are this like pseudo analytics team, whereas the Chargers are a for sure pro analytics team. The Ravens, I mean, again, John Harbaugh screams out at Lamar Jackson, hey, you want to go for it? Hell yeah. And everyone on Twitter, damn, the Ravens are so analytical. Hey, you come feel, on. You feel it in your Come on. If you hear John Harbaugh when he talks about analytics, he talks about it like, again, he knows there's like these guys that do this stuff. And maybe he like reads like a one pager on it before each game or something like that. And he kind of like uses the terminology like to the best of his ability. And he kind of like generally gets it and he probably knows there's merit to it, but he doesn't understand it to a granular level the way the Chargers staff does. And so I love because probably most people are going to, you know, uh, evaluate this game like, wow, two of the biggest, you know, teams that really lean into an analytical approach to decision making. And again, I think the Chargers are far more potent at leveraging it in the right ways. Hmm. And people think the Ravens do, and it's almost by accident that they do. Uh, give me Chargers. Interesting. Um, 
How about this one? Since I all right, no, it's my turn. All oh, right, your, your your game, your game. I'm giving you. Bucks Eagles Thursday night minus six and a half, fifty two and a half total. Um, You've given me games like I literally like my favorite games. <laughs> shit, terrible at picking games for you. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I I'm gonna be honest. I lean Philly here to cover, and I think Philly's live to to get the upset because I, I really think this is about as good of a flat spot as you're going to get for Tampa on the season, besides obviously like that Rams game before the Patriots uh, revenge tour. So, it, you know, you know, and I said this earlier in the week, but in my opinion, Bucks, they should take this game off. Like just from a like strategic standpoint in the whole season, like they can't, it's the NFL, blah, blah, blah. But like, if I'm like the team and the coach and like, if I could finagle it, like, guys, we're not even going to show up. Like, we're just not even going to play this game. It's not worth it. On short week, like, it's all Like, we have a game tomorrow. Like, like I'm still tired. My legs still hurt. Like, we don't want well, you to get... It like somebody stabbed Tom Brady's hand. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady's hand. Like, there's just... There's no reason to play the Bucks here. Bucks could crush. They have the capability. But Bucks have struggled on Thursday night with Tom Brady um, on short weeks. Because remember, Brady's uh, a prep... Uh, nerd, right? Like he wants to have advantages. He wants to know what he's going to do. And in this game, you know, they don't have the time. This game means way more to the Eagles and the Bucks. So it's just, there's nothing in favor of the Bucks going into this game other than just having the talent. So yeah, I think Eagles are a live play here, live dog, uh, potential upset, really rock the boat, hopefully on Survivor. Um, yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I I like it. I could see those angles. Um, I mean, again, the the Bucks secondary is exploitable, and it's sometimes actually the only way the Eagles stay in games uh, is they take off the top uh, of of a defense. You know, leverage the speed of those wide receivers. Jalen Hurts still has you know a big arm, um, and kind of finds those receivers. And and the Bucks are going to have blown coverages. So I think that's how. This is a game I could see kind of somewhat going like Bucks Falcons, and then it just kind of comes into the into play as do the Eagles close that the game out better than the Falcons did. Hmm. Um, so I I could definitely definitely see see that angle. Uh, all right, your turn. Um, Las Vegas Denver minus three and a half. Three and a half, forty four total i'm at three and a half you know this could totally blow up in my face probably gonna lean raiders at this point in time yeah probably probably i mean again it's dumb and, and i'm not gonna be betting raiders but for the sake of this, I probably lean Raiders. I know Broncos is a play that we're considering from a survivor perspective. And if I'm willing to lean Raiders at three and a half, obviously that's not giving us a lot of wiggle room. The thing is, is I can see, like I implied this, if you bet the Raiders at blowing up in your face, uh, obviously given the broader kind of surround sound uh, on this matchup and what's going on with the Raiders. Uh, 
So yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. I mean, again, we're considering Broncos from a survivor perspective, so that says something. Um, but for the sake of this, I'll lean Raiders, you know, the, the plus three and a half. Yeah, one thing I would say on this game is, to me, it's one of two things you have to handicap is, the obvious one is, is this a dead spot from the Gruden fallout? The other side of it, though, is that will be less talked about is, is this a win one for the skipper, you know, as if, let's say, John Gruden passed away? Um, is this like a rallying cry around the team that like, oh, that was too extreme or, oh, man, we're going to miss him or whatever that is. Is this a game where the team really actually comes in hyper kind of focused? Um, I don't think they will. But I think that has a stronger variance than maybe the market thinks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's my concern with this kind of like slam dunk Denver play is it's likely. Oh, yeah. But I'm it's not slam dunk. So no, no, it's not slam dunk. And I think the main reason why it's not is because the Raiders are bleeding out in the street right now. But Denver does not have a killer instinct to go out there, you know, yeah. and put their the boot on the neck. Yeah, actually, if this was uh, a, if this was Raiders versus Chiefs, odd Chiefs all day. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Or if you had any other more aggressive team, you know, uh, even if they were playing the Ravens again, or the Chargers, or the Cowboys, you know, a team that just wants to put it to you. Uh, Angio is just is not that is not that. He actually have that he actually might feel bad. Like you, I could see a world in <laughs> Fangio. Like, you know, he's just going to play his normal game. And if, if it works, it works, you know, like. Right. I mean, if Fangio had emailed, imagine what Fangio oh, ha has, has probably said. Back in life. the 60s? You know, well, the, know probably in letters, though. So, oh, hey. Uh, let's go dig uh, in his drawer. We found Fangio's letters. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, last game that I'm picking for you. I'm going to go. Bills on the road versus the Titans, minus five and a half, Monday night football, total 54. Okay. Well, so there's four games, it seems, this week that you have to ask yourself the question. Are you ready to get in front of the freight train or are you not? Now, the problem is Tennessee can't stop. Them. Those being Cardinals, Cowboys, Bills. Bills and, uh, what was that one? There's one other one. Chargers, no. Dallas. Chargers is a hard team. Buffalo. Get yeah, Cardinals, Cowboys, Bills. Yeah. Cardinals, Cowboys, Bills are, are the main. Yeah, those three. Um, Tennessee can't stop the run, and they can't do much else on defense. Bills are coming off that big Super Bowl in-season win versus the Chiefs. Monkey off the back. Yeah. So it is a bit of a fun. A game that they had ostensibly been focusing on all offseason. It is a bit of a flat spot. Um, I it's it's painful because I think the line, not that it's wrong, but like I want it to be six and a half, seven, but it's not. Looks like it's gonna go to six. I'll give you six. You give me six. I think I can. I think the Bills are due for a competitive game that they might lose, and I think this could be it. Man, obviously, if you're gonna play, man, it's tough. I mean, but if if Tennessee jumps out and can just run Henry, and again, Allen has not been as accurate as people think throughout the season. 
So Tennessee's defense doesn't necessarily have to be good. Just make it not easy for Josh Allen. Like make him make a good mm -hmm. pass. And you might get some mm -hmm. get some incompletions and you know some punts. So yeah, I think I'm I'm okay. I'll, I'll take Tennessee. Yeah. I'll take the points. No, if this gets to six two, um, which it looks like it should, um it's definitely Titans. I mean again, we are very like uncanny inaccurate on primetime games which we've talked about in the past and we're now 0-3 this season again why did we pick primetime games three times it's very bizarre because we know again we have this bizarre poor record in picking primetime games and we still do it it's been five weeks and we picked three primetime games we're zero percent there's a brain damage um all right bill yeah so bill signs i definitely lean titans though especially if it gets that six i mean the market is sky high on the bills yeah right now it's minus six on the road I am, titans can and still I am too. score and the titans are the type of team that i mean they didn't they beat the bills last year when the bills were in a little bit of COVID issue and titans played the titans on the road and they look like crap the, I think it was the opposite way around. Maybe but. it was the opposite way. Maybe. Um, but nonetheless, yeah. Let's get okay. in front of the frame. Uh, last game. Last game. Let's do Houston, Indianapolis. Minus well, it's nine. Ten right now. I'm minus nine. And it's it's ten. ten. Minus ten. I see ten. Um. No, yeah. I mean, easy. I, mean, I can't bet tech. I can't bet Colts minus 10. That's a lot. This is not a, a huge Texans play as much as it's just, well, I mean. With the injuries, I don't know how this line's 10. Yeah, with the injuries. Uh, I mean, Texans are not a, Texans are not a, they're not that bad. The Colts are not that healthy. It's no, first of all, again, sense. Davis Mills looked terrible versus the Bills in the rain, you know, that negative, you know, terrible element. But again, I don't know why you should play that bad. I mean, I, I get it, it's raining, but I mean, I don't know if it's his kryptonite, but he played decent versus the Panthers and now he definitely played well. Um, again, maybe, you know, got a little lucky here and there, but, you know, definitely outperformed expectation versus the Patriots versus scheme that was certainly designed to exploit his weaknesses and he was able to you know generally overcome it um so i i think you know again corey asked me you know well don't you like the texans even better with tyra taylor and at this point in time i'm probably gonna say no i mean tyra taylor's now like you know again banged up gonna have to become back from an injury like i think giving davis mills more and more experiences is, is is better. I mean, he's still a third-round pick. I mean, he played well at Stanford. You know, played decent. You know, competition. Maybe not great defenses, but um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how high his ceiling is, but I think it's worth continuing to explore. Um, especially in their in rebuilding mode. I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't know why you even bring Tyrod Taylor back um, at this point in time. You know, because it's because it, basically Davis Mills hasn't been a complete dumpster fire. If that was the case. Then maybe you look like you're not even trying by bringing Tyrod Taylor. But Davis Mills has played sufficient to warrant 
Well, yeah, and you to actually, continue to being the starter. You actually want to do that anyways to see what you have in him to see if exactly you can you can keep him or do you draft a quarterback next? Right. Year? And again, he was a, yeah, and he was a third round pick, All right? So that's still a sizable investment. Yeah. It's not like he was you know an unsigned free agent out of college, yeah. and they're kind of just rolling the dice on like see what we get. There's an investment here, so I mean, I, I like yeah, Texan Texas. All right, so I got you got Vikings, Dolphins, Lions, Eagles, Titans. Oh. I'm giving you the six on the Titans, which I think it's going to get there anyway. Also, you have Lions money line. Oh, uh, Browns, Patriots, Chargers, Raiders, Texans. And I'm taking you know the points where where I can get them in there. Um, all right, so that wraps up this lengthy podcast that we try to get through fast and again continue to fail through. We just have too many insights that we need to share. You know, it's just too much gold, too too much rich content. We can't not give that away. Um, and again, I think it's, again, just therapeutic for, for ourselves. Uh, I think we'll probably get some comments from DM saying, why why you guys continue to be so long? You guys keep talking. Speed it up. But alas, here we are. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, check out our uh our website sportfoliokings.com again we're still kind of continuing to build it out but if you haven't checked it out you know, peru- give it a perusal um also we'll be doing in the second half of the season we're going to start doing some live streams around at least the late afternoon games you know give you insights into how we're evaluating these games positioning in game really putting you know zach's playbook into practice uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, pretty exciting, something that we don't really see too much offered out in the market right now. So that will be coming again in a few weeks, uh, again, continuing to build out in the background. Doesn't seem like it maybe is we are, but we are, uh, and we hope to have some of that stuff online in the, in the next couple of weeks. And again, one of those tools that I mentioned, that I especially do want to be able to offer within the next you know week or so is again, that insight in that broader market positioning that we get, you know, again, through some of those alternative data sources. So uh, thanks again for everyone's for your support. And thank you for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. uh, And that's the closing bell.